You are listening to To The Top Talk with Jamie Arrington. Thank you, Jamie. Southern Miss Black Ops tailgate legend, Jason Bailey. Bump is uh, pretty good. Andy Wizard of Whiskey himself, Mr. Shanglock. But the reality is... They don't know, man! I've been looking forward to To The Top Talk. You know, I have that with myself every night. Look, for all you listen today, I'm not an idiot. What's going on? What's happening? How you guys doing? Welcome to To The Top Talk, presented by BetUS, here with your break from the High Resource Five propaganda to talk about the University of Southern Mississippi Golden Eagles. Life's back on, sports bettors. BetUS has your NCAA, NBA, NFL. Oh, no more NFL. NHL, UFC. We're about to be back in PGA. Up for their 27th year in live betting on all of it. Log into BETUS.com or call 800-792-3887. That's 879 800-79- Bet US. Bet US for 125% bonuses with our promo code TTTT125. That's TTT125. TTTT125. Customer service pros are ready to get your phone, social, and online sports betting kickoff started now. Play with the proven mainstay in the industry. Bet US. You bet you win, you get paid. BetUS.com. Joining me now, Southern Miss Black Ops tailgate legend, Jason Bailey. Greetings and salutations, boys. The week is finally here. It's a game we get to Pete. And um, fire it up, man. Fire it up. Won't be much longer. We're, we're, we've, we finally made it to the finish line of the offseason. And the Wizard of Whiskey himself, Shane Lott. Um, yeah, excited that that's about to happen. We are in the full swing of spring sports. And... Uh, Conference USA is trying to start a Jerry Springer episode with us, so lots going on. Speaking of which, what was that little grunt as you were pulling the the um, cork out of the bottle there? I think, you know, I've noticed as I get older, like I grunt at times <laughs> that aren't necessary at all. Like when you sit down, you're like, Ugh. but I'm like, oh, nothing about that hurt. Why did I grunt? Why did I groan? So it, I really, uh, I didn't do it on purpose. Um there, there's a little piece of plastic on the top of this cork, and it was a little slippery. Um, you did it, though. Yeah, you pulled it I, off. I struggled with it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I actually just looked to make sure the other two corks did not have that because I don't want to repeat that episode. <laughs> so uh, as Shane just alluded to, so, uh, you know, in between episodes, of course, we had a a, a big, uh, what do you call it? It's an incident, uh, a big uh, uh, flex of the the muscles of Jeremy McLean, um, Rodney Bennett, and so forth and so on. So last week, Southern Miss Athletics released a statement, and I will read some of this to you. The University of Southern Mississippi will terminate its membership in Conference USA effective June 30th, 2022. The university will not participate in Conference USA during the 2022-2023 academic year. The decision comes after considering the best interests of the university and the entire Golden Eagle family, including uh, their ability to watch Southern Miss games on a feed that actually comes through. Now, they didn't say that. I added that in there, Um, including nearly 350 student athletes and thousands of fans and supporters. That was a shot at Conference USA uh, TV. So um, a a feed that uh, comes through or doesn't look like it was shot on a 1990s Nokia (laughs) phone. (laughs) (laughs) While uh, yada, 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 while the university appreciates its time and experience as a Conference USA member, that time will end on June 30th. 
2022. We wish Conference USA and its membership success in the future. So after that comes out, Conference USA doesn't really say a word. They don't post anything. They don't call anything. They come back out with with a, a statement that they send to the press. There is a quote. There is a major realignment happening among, across the collegiate athletics landscape. All conferences and their members have agreed upon bylaws and contractual obligations for when transition occurs. We have chosen not to engage publicly, but have communicated with our member institutions and expect them to meet those obligations. And we expect that we will not meet those obligations. So fast forward to today. So you have all that come out last week. Fast forward to today. Conference USA uh, releases a football schedule in its entirety, including games with Southern Miss Marshall and Old Dominion, who made it perfectly clear that they're not going to be playing Conference USA football next season. They released a schedule today to the public with uh, Southern Miss playing a full Conference USA slate. They released a statement from their board of directors. Conference USA, oh, end quote, Conference USA intends to conduct the 2022-23 athletic year with the full 14 institution membership intact. The Conference USA Board of Directors will exhaust all necessary legal actions. That'll be the first action they've actually taken since um, <laughs> since uh, what the, you know, the original commissioner left. And will we'll, uh, exhaust all necessary legal actions to ensure all members meet their contractual obligations as defined by agreed in agreed to in the Conference USA bylaws. Here's the thing. There's nothing about a financial penalty for, for breaking that early. There is a there is a financial penalty for leaving the conference, but there's not anything in the bylaws, to my understanding, as far as not meeting a, 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 a certain date or time. So it's the weirdest situation, man. It's almost like a. It's like you like broke up with a girl, right? And you told her like to her face, like we're this is over. And then you like you get back to the apartment and she's there and your friends are like, dude, didn't you break up? You're like we did. Like I told her to her face and she's back here again. I don't, you know, I, what 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 do you what do you do? And it sounds like, you know, all kidding aside, it sounds like McLean and Marshall and Old Dominion, you know, tried their best to to say, look, we're out of here. Want to make sure everybody's taken care of. We don't want to leave you high and dry. And then after they said that several times, they're like, you know what, we're out. Yeah, it sounds like, I mean, it, it's a weird time for Conference USA finally to try, attempt to flex a muscle. I mean, like, we've seen all these years being in Conference USA, uh, you know, the every time there's a new commissioner, that when it was Mike Slive, I think the conference was really on the way up. Banowski took over, and then the conference starts to droop. And then Judy took took over and the conference is in, in essence six feet under, <laughs> you know, so it's a weird time. I'm not time. dead yet. I'm not dead yet. I'm getting better. Uh, so, yeah, it's very weird. I mean, this has been just absolutely – I mean, you think about it. You think about – what was it? Five, six years ago or seven, eight. I don't know how long it's been since Conference USA, uh, you know, it's been what, since like 2013. So nine years, I guess, since the, the new conference USA has kind of been, you, you think about like, there were schools that moved from the Sun Belt to Conference USA. You know, you had all these schools that were leaping from thinking it was a step up to go from the Sun Belt to Conference USA. And now mm -hmm. you have us who'd, who'd been a mainstay since the get go and Marshall, who's another one of the, you know, premier programs in the league going, taking a step up to the Sun Belt. 
And that's all because Louisiana Tech. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's very, very odd that uh, they finally decide, okay, well, this is this is where we're not going to be a, which is where we're going to attempt not to be a pushover. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't understand any of it. I, and getting back to the Sun Belt thing, yeah, I mean, ten, twelve, fifteen years ago, it, it was there was no chance. <laughs> you know, I don't think anybody uh, where we were currently as a conference then. Um, and as a program, frankly, uh, you know, Sun Belt was clearly a step down, but it's, it's now like zero doubt that it's a step up, you know, from from everything we've mentioned before 100 times over. But, you know, being able to drive everywhere, just the competitive nature, people that actually have fan bases like, dude, I'm so dumb with this current setup that we have. So, number one, it's just anything different is better, I think. But also, I, I think it's I, I kind of wish we'd have done it a little earlier. Yeah, well, I mean, you, you say that hindsight's always twenty twenty, but uh, I mean, really, it's been the last couple of years where the Sun Belt started coming on strong with teams like App State and Coastal Carolina, uh, Louisiana. Uh, you know, they've they've been playing some good football, so I, everybody's excited. Uh, we're ready to get the hell out of Conference USA and start the Sun Belt as soon as possible. It. it I truly believe that three universities would not have gotten together and made the exact same statement on Friday if their lawyers hasn't hadn't discussed that this was not done on a whim. I, I can no. guarantee that they weren't just like, oh, we're mad. We're going to release a statement. That's not how that goes. You got three universities, legal counsels looking at the contracts and the bylaws and they're like, yeah, this has no teeth. You know, let's let's do this thing. Um, I can only imagine what kind of lawyer uh, Conference USA is going to hire, you know, with the, <laughs> the leadership that's going on over there. Uh, who was it that had the Super Bowl commercial there in Mississippi? Richard Schwartz. Richard Schwartz. Yeah. Richard Schwartz. Yeah. Richard Schwartz. Yeah. Hold your breath, folks. Richard Schwartz is about to uh, represent Conference USA. I don't think Conference USA can afford him. I think they're. I think we're talking like Matlock. I think that's who they're going for. Like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and hey, but, shout out to the dumbass fans from FAU, North Texas, Louisiana Tech, and the like. Just, just uh, who, who? All seven of them. All seven of them who get there. I've, I've never seen uh, panties in such a wide over something that has absolutely nothing to do with them. But. Yeah, I mean, in, in a team that, and they're directing it at a team that they all, they don't even make any bones about it that they hate us. But they like, like we hate you, we hate you, we hate you, we hate you. And they're like, all right, man, we're out of here. And they're like, why are you being such an asshole? Like, what? I mean, well, you, you don't do like you, me when I'm there. You don't like me when I'm gone. They, they, they sure what to do here. Those teams, even though we've had a run of, of uh, you know, less than our normal success recently, you know, definitely in football, uh, certainly in basketball, um, you know, Tech wanted to come to this league to be with us. They want to be North Texas. You want to talk about a copycat. You look at the North Texas logo as it compares to the old Attack Eagle logo. You listen to all the songs their band plays because they hired our athletic director and our athletic staff. Back in the early 2000s, so they brought a lot of the Southern Miss stuff with them. Um, so yeah, you you look at who's trying to be like who. FAU, I don't even know what the. If I was FAU, man, I wouldn't be concerned with what anybody else had doing. You really are in just like paradise. Just take a chill pill. But they're but you, they're right. 
You thing- can win conference championships in Boca and no one gives a shit. No one. <laughs> no one shows up. So it, it doesn't matter if your team is good because no one cares then either. <laughs> and honestly, did any of you guys have that feeling when we uh, it's, it's like, like when we got these new teams in the conference? I didn't go to it saying, like, I can't wait to hate Louisiana Tech. I was like, that's just great. I can drive to another place. Uh, kind of a similar, you know, uh, size school, similar type programs. And it's like they just from the from day one were just pitchforks out. And like even like going to the games, I'm like, what do you I mean? You know. Can we not just have some fun here? Like, I mean, it's, I don't know. It's just the, the 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 way they want the rivalry to work out is just they, they want the hate. I don't mind trying to win, but you know, yeah. I, I don't feel like Marshall and us have ever had that. Really? No, no. Right? We've, it's always, there's a respect it's, there. There's respect there. Hey, man, you know, God bless them. I hope their hope their new rivalry with Jacksonville State and Sam Houston works out, man. I hope they can. I hope they can throw down. I hope that. Uh, you know, maybe somebody will show up in the in the in their stadium. You know, yeah. it's not gonna be yeah. us this time, but hit up that UTEP uh, parking lot. Yeah, and hey, FAU man, it's gonna be a it's gonna be uh I don't know if it's gonna be any more of a packed house against Tulane, Rice, North Texas. God bless you. Wish you guys the best. We're uh, we're running our race now. We're super excited to be taking on the opponents we're taking on. So um you know as this is kind of rare in in to the top talk lore as of recently, but we have a guest for the second week in a row. Jason Woo-woo. had a fantastic interview. Jason, you wanna you wanna introduce our audience to today's guest? Right. So um so you know last week we had on Rick Maddox, he just absolutely killed it. Uh, but the baseball buzz is going uh, just fantastic, and we wanted to get uh, wanted to get somebody else baseball related, and I think we hit a home run, uh, and, and we we hooked up with. Christian Ostrander, Coach Oz. So he killed it, and I hope you guys enjoy the interview. Okay, a very special treat tonight. In his fifth year with the Golden Eagles, originally from Monroe, Louisiana, graduated from Delta State, uh, moved on to Jones, uh, where they won a couple state titles and uh, and had, had a regional berth and even made a World Series appearance. And he served uh, two years over in Ruston, Louisiana for La Tech. Now it's Southern Miss. Welcome to the show, Southern Miss pitching coach and associate head coach, Christian Ostrander. What's up, coach? Not much, Jason. Appreciate you having me on. Man, thanks for taking the time. I know this is uh, it's a week before the season starts, and um, you guys are busy, busy, busy. Hope everything is going well out there. But uh, we mentioned the stops that you've made along the way. Uh, quite the journey to Hattiesburg. Um, talk a little bit about 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 what what brought you to uh, to Southern Miss. Well, it is. I mean, it's a it's a you know it's a long story, I guess. You know, just the routes and the stops you know, along the way. But uh, you know, for me, really, it started, I guess, back. Um, I've always you know always knew, known Coach Barry back. Uh, crazy story. I actually tried out for him and Coach Palmer at Meridian back in December of 1990 or 91, maybe 91, I think it was. And uh, anyway, didn't, didn't didn't make the cut, but I remember that experience as the day. And uh, and then just through the years, man, you know, being at Delta State, um, you know, coaching there when, you know, he was at Meridian recruiting some of their guys and, and stuff and just always had a, you know, a little bit of familiarity. And then time at Jones, you know, kind of right down the road, I guess you could say, and sent some players here, you know, Andrew Pierce, Ryan Milton, 
you know, uh, Mason Irby and, and so forth. And so just really kind of that relationship just kind of, you know, grew and whatever. And, uh, you know, and then I leave, go to tech and then, you know, coach fed when he leaves and, you know, gets the job at Monroe, coach Barry gets a call and, you know, made a lot of sense to me. So, you know, five years later, here you go. Sure thing. Well, we're, we're very happy to have you here. Um, and you know, you've had success at every stop. Um, I mean, do, do you, uh, to what do you attribute that amount of success to? And, and honestly, why are so many good coaches from Delta state? Yeah. Well, <laughs> um, you know, that's, I get that. Get asked that a lot about the Delta State deal, and, and there is a reason. I, I mean, you know, back in the era of when I played, you know, the mid '90s and stuff, and then coaching there, the late '90s, early 2000s and stuff. I mean, um, Delta State was, you know, they kind of held their own against anybody, you know, and uh, sure, and, you know, college Division One baseball wasn't what it is now in regards to the. It's real popular now, and you know, just bigger, stronger, whatever, but. You know, I think then just kind of we had to get players that might have got overlooked by some of the quote-unquote big schools, and we just, you know, kind of get them there and, and, and work your tails off and help them to turn into great players, and they did. And uh, now it's just a little bit harder to get those type of players at a, you know, a place like that right now. But um, just, you know, a real blue-collar ethic, man, over there, uh, Coach Kennison. But it all started with, you know, uh, Coach Boo Ferris. Mm-hmm. You know, there and uh, who's a you know huge mentor in my life wouldn't be where I'm at today without his influence on me. I guarantee you that. And then, you know, I played for Coach Bill Marchant, and uh, and then Coach Kennison was an assistant uh, there when I played. And then I got to be part of his staff for really six years, you know, um, and stuff. So just kind of cut my teeth in that, you know, in that um, environment, blue collar, working tail off, you know, whatever. And a chip on your shoulder, and uh, and it just kind of shapes who you are, you know, maybe as a coach and, and things of that nature. And I think there's been a lot of others, you know, that's come through that uh, regime, regime as well. And and uh, hopefully we're all better for it, and I think we are. Sure thing. And, and just to hit on Delta State just a little bit more, uh, that's my dad actually played for Boo Ferris uh, along with my uncle, uh, Mike Rosemond, uh, played there. And then my, my oh, high wow. school coach, yeah, my, my high school coach, Jeff McClaskey, uh with the yep. Delta State, so um, very strong connection to uh, Delta State for sure, and and a lot of that translates to Southern Miss, I think, with with the blue collar, with uh, the uh, well, these days, honestly, it seems like we get kind of whatever recruit we want, uh, but you know, through the years, maybe if you're a little bit shorter, um, a little bit slower, like a Jeff Cook type, right? Um, right. And you come and develop and just turn into a superstar, but you know, there's there's so much good baseball in the Southern Miss footprint now. Um, and we mentioned recruiting a little bit, but talk a little bit about recruiting uh, this area and maybe, you know, w- what are the key points that you look for in a, uh, in a pitching prospect? Well, for me, you know, even in this era with all the power and velocity and stuff like that, that's great. Everybody wants it. But at the end of the day, you got to be able to command the zone and, you know, throw strikes and, you know, manipulate uh, that bat or a hitter or whatever, you know, just kind of, you know, work against his weakness. And, and um, you know, so for me personally, yeah, man, I mean, when I'm looking at pitchers, I look for some certain things. I feel like finally after all these years doing it, that I feel like I got a decent, you know, an idea of what I want and what <laughs> I'm looking for. And you're not always right. I mean, you know, there's an element of, you know, you don't know the kid you know deep down yet you don't know their 
your psyche and this and that. You try to find that stuff out. But from a physical standpoint, I feel like I got a, a decent blueprint of what I'm looking for and, and stuff. And for me, it, it goes back to, you know, some pitchability, some athleticism with the delivery and stuff like that. And, uh, and I, I just believe in getting guys in your program and trusting what your, you know, strength coaches do and what your program does in the development and, uh, let them grow. You know, if they know how to pitch and then you let them grow into something that's a little more powerful, then you got something. And, uh, you know, versus maybe the other spectrum where you try to find the, the power, but they ain't got a clue on how to pitch. It's harder than you think teaching them that. <laughs> I mean, you know, it really is. So I kind of, that's kind of the way I, I approach it, I guess, and look at it and what I try to, you know, set my sights on. That's always the case, isn't it? It seems the guy that has the absolute cannon, which I did not in high school. Uh, I, I was your, you know, hopefully he grounds out to the shortstop guy. Um, and then it seems like the guys that can throw a million miles an hour, I'm like, why can't you just throw it over the plate? What's the what's the mm-hmm. problem? It's right there. Um, but so so we're uh, just a week away uh, from first, actually inside of a week away from first pitch. Now we're recording this on Tuesday night of opening week. Um, lots of excitement around this year's team. Um, the Golden Eagles seem to be loaded, even though you know pitching wise we lost Powell, we lost Stanley, two of the best that have ever done it in the black and gold. Uh, they have moved on, um, but we still have lots of great arms. I thought last year. Not that it was a detriment by any means. You can't take them out. They were almost automatic when you put them out there. But especially with the two seven-inning games on Saturday uh, and, and you know, uh, Stanley going the, the distance and Powell going the distance seemingly every time out there, there wasn't a lot of time to get to these other great arms that we have. Um, but it seems like everything's been going good in the fall and, and, and it's, it's transferring over to the start of the season, huh? I, I think so. I hope so. I mean, I, I really love the, the personnel that we have. I mean – I'm always, you know, cautiously optimistic, you know, um, with things, but I also trust kind of what I see too. And, and, and I, and I do feel like, I think, you know, I think the Southern Miss fans and our, our fan base are going to like what they see. Um, I think it's got makings if they go out and perform to their abilities and, and, you know, and, and what they've done, you know, whether it's fall, spring, you know, scrimmage, whatever, I mean, their, their, their growth and, maturation i think they're going to like what they see i think we could be a handful i think we could have a a lot of really you know good options on the mound you know at the beginning in the middle and the end so um you know i don't take it lightly i'm very appreciative of that and and you know but at the end of the day we got to go do it you know when Mm -hmm. it counts so that's what's coming no doubt um tons of hard throwers uh these well these everywhere i was going to just mention our guys but it seems like every team I know uh, back in college, I think we had one guy that threw 90. Um, oh, yeah. You know, and he was like the only guy that, that Coach Palmer wanted to throw inside. And and these days it seems like they're everywhere. Um, uh, you know, is there anything that you can that you can touch on as, as to why there might be so many hard throwers these days? And we got, goodness sake, uh, Hurston Waldrop touching 99 the other day. I don't know if he's ever hit 100, but it's probably coming. You got uh, just up and down the line. There's just hard throws everywhere. Um, Tyler Stewart. I mean, yeah. is there anything to that? Like just people, the kids, uh, weight training and all that. But but you know, um, like what's the deal? Why is everybody throwing so hard? Well, I think there's a lot of a uh, lot more. Uh, resources to help build strength and velocity than, than there was back in our time, you know, whatever. Um, I, I do think those things are there there and, and, and we use them and, and they're just pieces of the, of the pie. You know, I think, you know, what you do in that weight room is, 
just as important. I think what you do when you're, you know, long tossing and what kind of intent you put into it is just as important. So there's a lot of factors that I think all matter. But I do think this, and I've had I've had several people ask this question, and I believe it's kind of like the the banister effect with the four minute mile. You know, I think hmm. you know when when nobody thought it could be done, it gets done, and then lo and behold, a month later, two months later, whatever it was, I don't know the exact quote. Boom, everybody's doing it. And I think you know now that it's almost like if you know, and I had a coach tell me this years ago that if you want to throw hard, try to throw hard. And so I think you're just seeing people kind of, I don't know, taking the, the training wheels off a little bit and the handcuffs and say, let's let, let it rip. And, you know, and going, Oh heck, I can do this. Okay. Yeah, you can, you right. know, the, you know, mine's a powerful thing. So I think there's some of that. I might be wrong. Maybe that's too psychological. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> you know, I, I do think there's, you know, I, I believe, you know, the power of the mind's real. And uh, you know, and I think there's something to that as well. I think just your, your environment, your surroundings, and the, you know, and what we do. I mean, it just becomes kind of self-fulfilling a little bit too, along with all the other things. Trust me now. You got to work your tail off. You ain't going to just throw 97, 99 miles an hour by just thinking it. You got to do other things, but I think it all plays together. No doubt. Um, so if, if you had to describe maybe like your, your favorite kind of pitcher to watch, um, not just a Golden Eagle, but but just any pitcher growing up or whatnot. Um, who was your favorite? Like like when you turned on the TV or you went to watch the college game, whatever it was. Who was the guy that you just couldn't take your eyes off the screen? Uh, I mean, for me, it's it's it's, it's the Greg Maddox type. I mean, sure. it's it's the guy that just can manipulate the baseball so well and and just have his way. Just it's almost like they toy with him. You know, it's uh and frustrate them and, you know, and, and slow it down and speed it up when you need to and, and stuff like that. I, I think those guys are the guys with feel, you know, I call that feel guys that just know what they're doing. They have a plan, they trust it and, and they, and they think it's good enough and, 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 and go do it. And, um, you know, those are the kind of guys I kind of gravitate towards a little bit, but doubt in the same breath, I'll tell you this, my, my idol, the reason I wear the number I wear is, you know, Nolan Ryan, I mean, grew up in Texas and that's, you know, yeah, that's kind of, he was my hero and, yeah. uh, you know, and stuff, but he was just pure power, you know, uh, back when there wasn't as much power and, uh, as there is now. So, but, uh, but I guess to answer your question, I mean, like I said earlier, just that that guy can really, really pitch and manipulate the baseball. And, uh, I love watching that. Sure. Greg Maddox, king of the 88 pitch complete game, you know, when the, when the, I was watching on TBS and it was over in like, you know, two hours and 15 minutes. It was great. <laughs> oh, yeah. Awesome. If you like that side of the game, you like that. Yeah, no doubt. Um, so we had Rick Maddox on last week and uh, and he mentioned, you know, Rick's like the, the Sutter Miss guru he, he, uh, as far as baseball well, goes and, and gave us uh, tons of information of what he's seen kind of from the from the sidelines during practice. And I'm sure you guys have talked. Um, but you know, he mentioned a bunch of pitchers and I don't really want to ask you if the rotation is completely set yet, but can you mention some of the guys, uh, that, that the Golden Eagle fans can look forward to seeing, uh, this weekend and, and throughout the season? Absolutely. I mean, you know, really for us, we've kind of had a six horse race, uh, which is a great thing to say in regards to, you know, guys we feel like can take the baseball and go start for us and give us a chance to win. And, and I don't say that lightly. I really do believe that. I think there's six guys that, 
um, you know, some of them are very proven that they've done it before and some are unproven, but the capabilities there with their stuff and, and makeup to, you know, that we could say, all right, here you go, man, you know, get us out of the gate and, uh, that they could do a good job. So, you know, those six guys are obviously, you know, Drew Boyd, uh, Ben Etheridge, um, a grad transfer, uh, Hunter Riggins, mm-hmm. um, two sophomores in, um, Tanner Hall and, and, and Hurston Waldrop and then, and then Tyler Stewart, uh, who, you know, we haven't seen a ton of, you know, he's had some injuries and he had the COVID year and, you know, last year's his first year on the mound for us, but my goodness gracious, the, you know, where he's come and the strides he's made. I mean, it's, it's pretty darn impressive. So, you know, those six guys are the ones in the mix to, to get the baseball to start at force. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's, uh, it's been some hard, you know, decisions, whatever, figuring it out. And, you know, I've come to the conclusion there's that there's not one right answer, you know. Um, I think there's several. And that's a great thing. That's a great problem to have for, right. for this program right now going into this year. Now, again, uh, we're not perfect, and I don't expect them to be, but, at, you know, they got to go do what we think they can. But those six, you know, from a starting aspect are the, the ones I think, uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, getting the baseball and in which order, you know, time will tell. Sure. So we, so that's the, the, the starters or the probable starters. Um, and you know, most teams have the, the, the middle relief guy. I know Ryan Ock, you know, came in last year and just did incredible things. I forgot to mention we lost him last year, but, uh, Ryan mm-hmm. Ock came in and just did unbelievable things. I think he ended the season like around a one ERA, uh, throwing a million miles per hour, filling up the zone. So we've talked about the starters. Uh, what about the rest of the game? Maybe some middle relief. Uh, I know Garrett Ramsey's back. I don't know if he'll be in that closer role. Um, how's the rest of the staff looking? You know, I like them. I do. I think you know, those guys have been patiently waiting. Maybe mm-hmm. uh, you know over the you know course of last year, year before, and 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 stuff. So um, you know, obviously, if some of those six that I mentioned at the beginning, if they're not starting, well, they're, they're obviously in the mix to be, you know, relief as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, kind of starting the back end a little bit, I think, I, I do think Ramsey, I mean, he's had a good year for good fall for us, good spring thus far. Um, we all seen it, you know, and if, if he's consistent, he's in the zone and he's as good as you can find. Right. And, uh, and stuff. And so, you know, he's going to get the opportunities. Chandler Best has really, really come on, um, you know, and it was, had a, had an unbelievable fall and the spring's going good and, in a good place and really has kind of, I don't know, settled in and fit into that, that late inning, you know, three out, six out, whatever role. And it seems to fit him well. And, uh, he, he's done a fabulous job with that. And then, you know, there's several others. I mean, you know, there's uh, a new guy, Landon Harper, that was at Paul river community college last year that has the makeup, you know, of a guy that's just like, he don't care. He ain't scared. He's coming at you. And the stuff's plenty. Um, Aubrey Gillentine, uh, another one that's been in the program since 2019 that's kind of patiently waited and uh, got some power up 94, you know, that can, mm-hmm. you know, do other things with it as well. And, uh, uh, you know, then you got some pieces. You got guys like that I look at as Blake Weehunt and, and, and Matt Adams, uh, you know, guys uh, like those two and, and, and Will Tynes that are kind of what I like thinking of bridge guys, guys that you can get the ball to and let them, um, you know, middle innings to take you to the back end and, uh, you know, things like that. And, uh, Justin Storm, big lefty, sophomore lefty, picked some force last year. And Isaiah Rhodes are two guys that I think you'll see some, uh, 
platooning, you know, right left matchups and stuff, and uh, you know, going from there. But uh, you know, plenty of options, I think. No doubt. Um, and you know, I've, I've noticed that there's some newcomers uh, this year. We mentioned how well the Golden Eagles seem to be recruiting uh, these days, and I've heard a few names come out. Uh, one has been Nico Maza. Is it Maza? Yep. Maza. Nico Maza. Nico, Nico uh, Maza. It looks like he's throwing hard. Um, he's, you know, mm-hmm. it looks like he's, he's, he's shown up and, and shown out so far also. He is. He's uh, one that, you know, I didn't mention in that group. I was going to get to him, but he's for sure. Uh, he's got a bright future, man. I mean, it can, it can explode out of his hand. Uh, you know, already, I mean, the other night, I think, 95, 96, he has, he touched it a few times. I mean, just, wow. it, it really, really jumps and, uh, he's still learning. Like I said, though, there's, there's growing pains to come from high school at this level. And, and, uh, but he, you'll see him, you know, at, uh, for his development and his future. Um, you know, he's going to get out there and, uh, I'm expecting big things, you know, from him now, but, you know, also beyond and stuff. But, uh, yeah, he's a, he's one of the newcomer arms that uh, I think y'all, y'all will enjoy getting to see. For sure. And, you know, we we haven't talked about this guy yet. His name hasn't come up. But one time during the uh, conference tournament last year, uh, one Dustin Dickerson came in and pitched. Oh, uh, and, yeah, I mean, he's, I tell you what, what, what a swagger uh, this this guy has. And uh, he's got, I think he's the kind of guy that you probably love to play with. And I don't know if you'd really love to play against him. But I love playing with those kind of guys. He's got an absolute mm-hmm. cannon. Um you know, Rick uh, mentioned that he had been getting uh, a little bit more work uh, with the with Creek Robertson coming in and being able to handle it defensively with no problem behind him. But so so Dickerson's one of the guys that might be a two way. I think that uh, that Bryce Fowler. I don't know if he's been getting any work um, both ways or not. But th- those are or at least Dickerson's one of those guys that that I mean, do you, yeah. do, you do you see maybe using him more than last year? I do. I think, I, I mean, here's the way I look at it. Obviously, everybody knows how valuable he is for his short. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and there, there needs to be a reason to take him off of there to get on the mound. To me, he is a great, and this, and this might sound bad, but it's not, but he's an insurance policy. He's a back end type guy mm-hmm. that if, let's say we get to a Sunday and I've already used my other options and 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 the and the game calls for hey I need somebody to come in and you know put it out or finish it and stuff he'll probably be the guy you know just because you know we 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 need him to be able to be out there on the field and and playing short and in a in a in a perfect world I'd love to know that I have that option on that third game of a series and and it might be earlier than that I mean Dickie threw yesterday in the scrimmage um I'm sorry Sunday and uh you know looked great you know 9092 spinning it doing this that whatever uh, more in the tank when the lights come on and adrenaline, that's when Dickie shines. I mean, that's right. just, like you said, that's his swagger. That's what he is. And, uh, he's a strike thrower with tremendous feel. And, uh, he's another huge, you know, option for us, man. And, and, and it's exciting to, to know he's there. So, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely he's getting his work, his weekly work uh, with bullpens with me and, uh, working in scrimmages. So he'll be, he'll be available ready when needed. What's the best pitch in baseball? Whew, commanded fastball, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was always told strike one. Well, that's a great, great outlook <laughs> on it too. It is. It's uh, you know, getting that first pitch strike. That's a that's a metric we talk about a lot, and uh, you know, I think that sets a tone for an AB. For so, I agree with you, Jason. 
All right. And a couple more things and we'll get you out of here, Coach. Um, uh, I want to get your thoughts on, on last year going the, the nine seven seven nine four game format versus this is we're going back to the three three game set, which is three nine inning games, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? And, and do you like going back to this normal way? Absolutely. I'm so thankful we're back to the normal, you know, flow of it. I mean, it's well, we were built for it last year so to speak. I think we're built for, we would be built for a four game weekend this year. I mean, you know, I mean, I, so I, I'm glad of that, but there's something about, you know, waking up, coming to the park, going, let's go attack nine innings, you know, that's, you know, or it might take more than that, but one game, you know, go win. And that's the, that's the great thing about Division One baseball. And, and then you get to look up, you got a Tuesday night game every week or, or whatever. Last year, we didn't have that. There was a lot of gaps and mm-hmm. uh, not, and it was hard to keep consistency and just, especially when you had a bunch of starters that were just getting you so deep in the game. Uh, it was hard to spread it out. It was hard to, you know, get the innings to, uh, for the guys that they needed it and stuff. I think this year is going to be a, you know, more normal and, and to where you can keep guys engaged, you know, uh, and, and just, just keep them going. And, uh, you know, and, and I really feel good about that. I think we, I think our staff matches up or whatever. And, uh, you know, so I, I really feel like, that we can cover, we feel good about how we can cover the weekend plus games as well. Awesome. Uh, we're looking forward to it for sure. Um, uh, do you have any advice that you would give to aspiring pitchers coming up to maybe through the junior, uh, through the uh, junior high, high school, maybe even junior college ranks uh, as to what they should be trying to focus on? Well, I mean, everybody's going to think you need to focus on throwing hard and velocity. And I think, that's kind of what the society and social media, you know, that's what you see there. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's guys that can, you know, to me, that can, that can pitch, you know, guys that know how to pitch. And, you know, and then, I, like I said earlier in our segment here, I mean, you, you get guys like that, you, you get them in a weight room, you let a guy like Todd McAvick, our strength coach, bust her tail and mm-hmm. make them stronger. And, and then things just grow. And stuff. So my, my my words of advice: If I had a son, I don't. I got two daughters. But if I if I had a son, I'd say, Hey, man, let's uh, let's figure out how to throw this ball where we want to. And I think hopefully, if the good Lord's willing, the other things will come. Awesome. Well said, um, Coach. Thank you so much for uh, for coming on our little show tonight. Uh, we're going to have this out uh, before long. After we do a little bit more recording tonight, but um, before we go, is there, is there anything else that you would like to uh, tell the Golden Eagle faithful out there? Well, we can't wait to see all of you at the Pete, and uh, you know, so thankful and appreciative this this team and these players are the you know the 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 amount of season tickets that we sold and and stuff, and uh, just want y'all to come, and, you know, come to the Pete. I know you will, and uh, I think these guys are going to put on a good show for you, and they're going to play hard and represent well. So. Uh, we appreciate it all, and, and uh, you know the the support here is tremendous. And uh, just you know, keep pouring it on, and uh, let's have that home field advantage at the peak uh, starting this Friday night, Friday evening. Can't wait, Coach. Um, thank you so much once again, and Southern Miss to the top. All right, that was Coach Oz. Check out Southern Miss baseball. Hey, first pitch at the Pete. This Friday, February the 18th at 4 p.m. against North Alabama. Unfortunately, that game will be televised on Conference USA TV for our CUSA.C-USA.TV. That's a lot to have to figure out to watch a 
damn feed. Um, be patient, that, folks. Be patient. A couple more months, and you get to watch all this on ESPN+. Plus. So that's Friday, 4 p.m., then Southern Miss again Saturday at 2 p.m. at the Pete against North Alabama, and then Sunday, February 20th, 1 p.m. at Pete Taylor Park to complete the three-game home the three-game home series. We're back to the three-game home series. Mm-hmm. Then on Tuesday night, Southern Miss will be back at the Pete February the 22nd, taking on the South Alabama Jaguars. So, uh oh. Um, yeah, I know, right? That's <laughs> you want to talk about it, but, but, but we get them at the Pete twice. We get them at the Pete. Hey, it's it's or three times. It's, it's, it's I, three times. Once, <sighs> twice, three times, even three times. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So we've got that to look forward to. So hopefully we can we can break our our streak of of bad luck. Uh, so that being said, Jason, we did have some basketball games this past week. Why don't you bring us up to date on Southern Miss basketball? Yep, we had uh, two games last week. We um, started off at UAB on February the 10th, and, you know, <clears throat> lost the game 84-63, to 63, so we got smoked. Um, UAB is really good. Uh, it would shock me if they made the tournament and uh, probably made some noise in that tournament. Um, and a lot like the games that we've played here lately. We were tied at halftime, gave it all the effort in the world. Um, but like every one of those games, we just can't put two halves together. Um and I know there are a lot of factors that go into this, most of, most of which is probably depth, but um, it's just, man, just cannot get over that hump um, at all. Uh, Stevenson looked good, 24 points, shocker there. Uh, seems like he does it every week. A guy that's really stepped up as of late, and I know we keep losing a lot of games, but a guy that stepped up to me anyways is, is DeAndre Pinckney. Um, he's played more aggressive than I've seen him play since he arrived at Southern Miss. Um you remember when he first got here, he was injured uh, and came on late. Um, and and, and it's just it, just here lately, he's really blossomed, and, and it's really fun to watch him play. Uh, Pink had 12 points, Bolden with 11, and Isaiah Moore added 11 as well, all in double figures. Uh, but like we said, we unfortunately lost the game uh, by like 20 points, so that was no good. Southern Miss would sit uh, after that game at 6-17 and 17 overall, 1-9 and nine in the conference. UAB improves to 19 and 5, 9 and 2. After that, we were back home uh, against Western Kentucky. Lost this game 87 to 77, and honestly, it might have been the best version of this team that we could possibly expect to see, in my opinion. Um, we played damn tough, man. We played damn tough all night long. Uh, again, just could not, just could, when we really needed something huge to happen, um, we would do it. And then credit to Western Kentucky, they would answer right back, usually with a three-pointer, just over and over and over. And Southern Miss, yet again, just could not get over that hump. Um, I thought I saw some some meshing with the players that I haven't seen the entire year. Uh, you know, I say they're playing like their backs are against the wall, I and mean, they kind of are. You know, their backs are against their wall uh, every game, and it's really easy. It would be really, really easy for them to just fold, um, which – in my opinion, they have not done in the least bit. Um, scored 38 points in the first half, 39 points in the second half, and 77 overall against one of the best teams that we've played all season when we're only averaging 63 points a game. You know, that 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 showed me something, at least, uh, anyway. 
Isaiah Moore had a really good night, 25 and 12. Goodness gracious. Um, Stevenson at 15 points. Didn't have as many rebounds because Isaiah Moore got all of them. Um, Pink played great again. Um, he had tw- he went 12 and 10. Napper looked awesome. Uh, he had some huge dishes, some alley oop passes, some 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 drives to the hole that we haven't seen out of hardly anybody the entire year. Uh, we looked faster. We looked just um, everything looked great um, except for the score at the very end. We even out rebounded Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky started a seven five center, and Isaiah Moore just handled that dude all game long. Uh, out rebounded Western Kentucky thirty nine to twenty eight. The difference was probably the three-point baskets. Um, it's not that Sutter Miss didn't hit any. They went 8 of 20, very respectable. And Western Kentucky goes 13 of 25. So I guess if you're going to look to a difference, uh, that was probably it. Sutter Miss now sits at 6 and 18, 1 and 10. Western Kentucky 15, 11, 7 and 6. Uh, up next, two games in a row at home um, versus UTSA Thursday the 17th at 7 p.m., and versus UTEP Saturday the 19th at 12 noon. So, yeah, it, you know, Golden Eagles have lost 10 D1 games in a row. Mm-hmm. It, we got a chance to break it Thursday night. So this Thursday night, 7 p.m., it's on ESPN+. Plus. It's on Rock 104, Reed Green Coliseum, Southern Miss, UTSA. Uh, it, this is probably our best shot to get a win. I'm not saying we won't get more wins than this, but if we're going to get one, this is this is our best opportunity moving forward the rest of the season because it looks it looks like it's going to be pretty rough. We've got a pretty tough slate ahead. So um, you guys come out, check out the Golden Eagles this Thursday night at Reed Green Coliseum. All right, Shane, do you have an update in women's basketball? I do. Uh, the ladies. Uh, what was a real hot streak they had going, a lot of positive momentum, uh, kind of came crashing down for us Thursday night. Uh, Thursday, February 10th, in the long game from last week, they took on the UAB Blazers at Reed Green Coliseum and lost that game 68-61. to uh, That broke a four-game win streak for the Lady Eagles, and it put UAB back in first place in Conference USA West. A uh, rough game for the ladies who really kind of looked tired after four games in seven days. Uh, that, was, that was a brutal stretch. They looked good through all that. Uh, but UAB is a solid team. So you came in and, and took advantage of uh, the worst field goal shooting percentage of, of the season for the ladies, uh, 35.5% from the field, and also their largest rebound deficit of the season, out-rebounded by 14 points. So not going to win a whole lot of games when you uh, – I said, 14 points by 14 rebounds when you get out rebounded <laughs> by 14 rebounds and shoot 35 and a half percent from the field. So just not a great night. Uh, still was a seven point game. It was a seven point game at the end of the first quarter. It was a seven point game at the end of the half. So as bad as we played, that was our main competition in conference USA West. And uh, we get another shot at them. Uh, a little later in the season. Kelsey Jones was the leading scorer for the Lady Eagles with 14. Brickayla Gray also broke into double digits with 12 points. Uh, next up for the Lady Eagles, Thursday, February 17th at UTSA. Uh, the Eagles won the first meeting in Hattiesburg on the 7th of February, 60-57. to 57. Uh, UTSA currently sits at 5-18 and 2-10 and and in conference. And then, uh, again, the Lady Eagles are in action Saturday, February 19th at UTEP, a little Texas road trip. Uh, the Eagles also won the first matchup with the Lady Miners. 
Uh, that was back in January 17th, and Hattiesburg won that game 55-49. to 49. UTEP, I, I believe, already said this, but uh, the whiskey is kicking in, and I may have had a beer or two with dinner as well. But UTEP's record's 13-10, and 5-8. and eight. Uh, The Lady Eagles, after that loss to uh, UAB, now sit at 15-8, and 7-5, and five, still in a good position there uh, for the rest of the season. Got a chance to get two wins on a road trip here. That's always a bonus, and uh, we'll see where we stand when this week settles down. All right. Any other sports you want to bring us uh, up to date in? Oh, man. If you guys are ready to launch into that. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'll take part of the blame for the Lady Eagles the other night. That was the first game that I went to for the Lady Eagles the entire season. I've been hearing how awesome everything was, and it was really fun. Uh, the atmosphere was great. Everything was great, except I was in attendance, so, you know, the team played bad. Let me text Joy Lee McNellis your address real quick. <laughs> Get them, Joy. Um, yeah, absolutely. We've got a lot of spring sports action uh, going on. We'll start off with track and field. Let me get a sip of whiskey first. Uh, I expected uh, some, some some kind of shenanigans to go on between <laughs> uh, basketball and track, so I wasn't prepared. Yeah, hey, take your sip. Let's go ahead and touch on this. So uh, the Super Bowl was this past weekend. The Rams defeated the Bengals 23-20. to 20. Our very own Mike Thomas in the game for the Bengals. Unfortunately, he didn't win, but hey, he still gets. So Mike Thomas has uh, been in two Super Bowls now, one with the Rams. Uh, he's he, Unfortunately, he hasn't got a ring yet, but he's got an NFC championship and an AFC championship. So kudos hmm. to He had that. a reception. A really good yeah. reception, had a really good stop on special teams. So he yeah. definitely uh, made his presence felt, so it was really awesome to get, get to see him enjoy himself and get him get uh, out there and uh, play in another Super Bowl. So congratulations to him. Absolutely. I was rooting hard for the Bengals. Uh, I hated that he didn't get a ring. That would have been awesome. I have a feeling he'll get uh, another opportunity if he hangs around Cincinnati. That team is really good and has a lot of young talent. But uh, I don't hate it for uh, for the Rams. Uh, you know, they've, they've got some really good players on their team that have been in the league for a while and deserve a ring or a second ring or a ring to ride out on. Uh, but that uh, no-look pass that what's-his-name threw to Cup um, was just absolute magic. Uh, it's hard to beat plays like that, um, especially when you got Eli Apple playing corner for your team. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even a Saints fan, but the whole Twitter seems to be on that dude's case. He, right. so I, wanted to, I wanted to jump in there. He earned that L. <laughs> he, he, he earned his trending this past weekend. Dude, I saw like NBC Sports throwing shade at him on Twitter. <laughs> it's just like everybody hates that guy. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, all right, if you're good now, you can t- you can discuss. Women's I am Twitter. I am good. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I'll I'll get another sip in because I, I just talked all that whiskey away. <laughs> I'll join. All right. So, oh, there we go. I like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll start off with track and field. Track and field was uh, involved in their last indoor match before the conference usa championships that are this coming weekend uh they were in the music city challenge in beautiful nash vegas tennessee two school records broken smilla colbe uh in the 800 meter uh, with a time of two minutes 7.71 seconds set the new school record and fred mudani with a shot put broke his own school record with a throw of 63 feet five inches 
as far as podium finishers in the men's side, DJ Butler placed third in the 400 meter. And uh, we're not convinced at this point that we're never going to have a, a show during track season where Corville Todd's name isn't mentioned until he's not here anymore. Uh, but he placed second in the high jump on the women's side. Uh, Smilla Kobe with her school record performance finished first in the 800 meter. Uh, we also had Sandra spot placed third in the 800 meter and Janique Berger second in the high jump. Uh, I mentioned earlier, that was the last track match uh, indoor before the conference USA championships. Those will be held in Birmingham and that will be February 19th and 20th, which would be this Saturday and Sunday. Am I looking at the calendar right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, so women's tennis is up next. Uh, back Friday, February 11th, they were playing UT Chattanooga there in Hattiesburg, took the 4-3 win, the 26th straight win at home for the Lady Eagles, which is a super impressive streak. Uh, Ibru Zainab Yazgin won her match 6-3, 6-1. Suhana Das won her match three dropped the first set three six then six two six four and then clara tardavel with a six two six three win sarah medic uh dropped her first set four six then one six three six two all won their singles matches and then sarah medic and monique burton were leading four three in their doubles play when uh when it was stopped so uh, i haven't explained this yet basically because i just figured it out but when you've got tennis matches, the singles matches count for a point apiece, and then you play three doubles matches, and whoever wins two of the three gets the doubles points. So when one team acquires four points, they get the win, and that's why some of these matches are, are stopped in progress. Uh, so if, if a team gets their fourth point through Eagles, either a singles match or uh, the collective doubles point, then it's it's just called and they don't they don't uh, finish that match. We're we're learning here on to the top talk as we press forward in the spring sports. Uh, also, Sunday, February 13th versus Sam Houston State and Thibodeau, Louisiana, uh, also picked up the four to two win there. Uh, Ibru Zinabiazgin and Alyssa Richter won their doubles match. Uh, six to two. And then Sarah Medic and Monique Burton won their doubles match six to three. Give USM the doubles point. Yazgin went uh, lost her first set three six and bounced back six three six one for her singles win. Burton won six oh six oh. Das was six four six two. Uh, all giving USM the required four points for the win. Clara Tardivelle was leading her singles match when play was stopped. Next up, Saturday. Uh, February the 19th versus University of Texas, San Antonio. Hey, Bump, how do you say hey. that town where Northwestern State is in Louisiana again? That's uh, Natchitoches. Natchitoches, yeah. Thank you. Um, or Natchitoches. Yeah, that's well, I was like, oh, I know this isn't Natchitoches, but I've drank <laughs> gallons of whiskey since that conversation, and I don't remember what Bump said, so I'll, I'll call on him. <laughs> so uh, then uh, also in action – Sunday, February 20th at Northwestern State. The women's tennis team currently stands at 4-0 and on the young season. Next up, men's tennis. Uh, Saturday, February 12th, got the 4-0 win over UT Chattanooga. Uh, Antoine Audrain and Christopher Cahour 
won their doubles point seven to six and Shamiral Shareel and Drew Soonish won seven six, uh, earning the doubles point for Southern Miss. Then on the single side, Shamiral Shareel uh, got his point six three six four. Antoine Audrain six two, then dropped a set three six, then seven five, bounced back to get the point. Alan Sanson dropped his first set four six, then went seven five six one all winning their singles matches to get those three points to the Eagles to close it out for nothing. The men are back in action this Friday, the 18th versus Lamar. And then Sunday, the 20th versus UAB to get their second conference USA match of the season in currently the men stand at two and one and Oh, and one in conference USA play. Finally getting around to softball. And I don't know why I said finally, because that ain't the end of it either, but <laughs> finally getting around to softball. I just kind of emphasized the wrong words there. I'm just now learning to use my voice. So uh, excuse me, but softball started the season off with their tournament that they host every year. Uh, started off really well for the lady Eagles Friday, February 11th at 4.30, they picked up the 8-6 to win versus North Alabama. During that game, Destiny Brown broke the Southern Miss stolen base record with her 82nd stolen base. That record had been in place since the year 2000, so a 22-year-old record broken by Destiny uh, Brown. Uh, if you're on, on the Twitter's machine, uh, NCAA softball photos of the week. One of them is Destiny Brown uh, kneeling, kind of taken over by emotion after she she broke the record. It's a great uh, photo. Great photo. Really, really good photo. But you can vote for that to be the photo of the week. So Eagle fans, do your thing. It, it, they won. She won. Oh, okay. It's done. She it's won. done. Yeah, she won it. Yeah, agree. Don't go vote. The election <laughs> is over. We don't need to, the the <laughs> other schools crying about ballots being counted in the middle of the night. Stop voting. Destiny won. <laughs> Everything is good. That's awesome because, I mean, a 22-year-old school record, and you want to talk about a, a player that means a lot to a program. She has just been an absolute workhorse here her entire career, and uh, awesome to see her get that record, and it took 22 years to break that record. She's got a full season left. She broke it in the first mm-hmm. game. There's no telling what the record's going to be by the time she's done. So Absolutely. that'll be awesome to follow over the course of the season. Uh, the Eagles used four home runs to power past North Alabama in this game. Freshman, freshman Alexis Dittmer homered in her first two collegiate plate appearances. That's wow. Major big balls energy there. Stepping up to, to the plate, your first two college at bats and smashing one over the fence. So, uh, I have a feeling that uh, Eagle fans are going to be very familiar with Alexis's name here in the coming weeks. Uh, freshman Paige Kilgore picked up the first her first win of her collegiate career as well. Uh, came in late in relief in that game and, and got the win. Uh, so Lady Eagles started off one and zero, then continued that momentum Friday night at seven o'clock with a six to two win versus St. Louis. Junior pitcher Morgan Linestock had a complete game with eight strikeouts, and Destiny Brown hit a solo shot in the fourth. Tata Davis hit a grand slam in the sixth. So that was almost all your your point scoring there, but definitely between those two at bats, enough to put the Lady Eagles over St. Louis. From there. Didn't go quite as well for Southern Miss over the course of the rest of the weekend. Saturday in the first game at 1 o'clock fell 6-10 to 10 to Sanford. The Eagles had 10 hits, but a poor defensive performance really doomed them. Sanford scored five runs in the sixth inning, really to seal the win there. 
Um, <clears throat> so then Saturday at four o'clock, uh, the, the bad news kept coming because the Lady Eagles dropped zero to seven to North Alabama. Only three hits for the Lady Eagles in that game. Then to finish out the tournament and the weekend, Sunday at one o'clock fell zero to six to Sanford as well. Uh, Morgan Linestock had five shutout innings, but two runs in the sixth and a grand slam in the seventh for Sanford sealed the win for the Bulldogs. Lady Eagles only mustered four hits in that game while committing two errors. So Lady Eagles start the season off two and three after their first tournament, got a busy week, lots of opportunity for wins coming up Wednesday, February the 18th. we got a double header at Southern university in Baton Rouge starting at five o'clock. And then back to the weekend in Hattiesburg with the second tournament of the young season with the Golden Eagle Invitational in Hattiesburg. That'll run Friday the 18th through Sunday the 20th. Friday the 18th at, uh, playing Jacksonville State at 4.30 and the Mississippi Valley State at 7. Saturday, the Lady Eagles play Houston Baptist at 11 and Mississippi Valley State again at 2. And then Sunday the 20th, play ULM at 2 o'clock. Then not done with the action yet. Tuesday night, they will be at Ole Miss, Rebel, Black Bear, Land Shark, whatever they are. <laughs> uh, so a uh, big, big week of games for the Lady Eagles. They should uh, be exhausted by the time all that craziness gets over with. Uh, that's, that's a lot of games in a week. Uh, men's golf and women's golf were also in action. If you're not sick of hearing me talk yet, you will be soon. Run the gauntlet. Run the gauntlet. <clears throat> men's golf Monday, February 14th. That was yesterday and today just now dawning on me. I don't didn't look at the calendar often today, I guess. Uh, Mobile sports authority tournament at Magnolia Grove at Robert Trent Jones at hosted by at the university of South Alabama. There's just entirely too many ats in the title of that event. We need to talk to somebody about it. <laughs> Gentlemen were tied for fourth after the first round, shooting at 288. Leader UAB was at 276 there. Uh, ended up finishing eighth out of 14. They played two rounds today. It was hard to kind of discern the stats from the two rounds to tell what happened after the second round, but fell from fourth after the first round to eighth out of 14 to finish it. Uh, Thong Papat is, is back and is still kind of our star. He finished strong shooting uh, a negative four over the course of the three rounds. It's a two twelve, and he tied for seventh. Also, Robbie Ladder tied for eighteenth. Shot a one under two fifteen. Uh, the gentlemen are off until March sixth. Sixth, almost said sixteenth, but is the sixth at this point. And last but not least, women's golf also in action. Uh, that tournament ran Sunday the thirteenth through uh, recording day Tuesday the fifteenth. That was the Tulane Classic, hosted by our friend Chad, Chad Brownstein at the English Turn Golf and Country, Country Club. That was a Tulane tournament. After the first round, the Lady Eagles were in eighth place. Uh, shot a 320 at that point. The leader, leader, University of North Texas, shot a 300. So pretty good gap there. After the second round, uh, they had dropped a spot to ninth shooting a uh, total of plus 52 UNT was at plus eight at that point. Uh, the Lady Eagles uh, finished out in that place ninth out of 17 teams. Uh, junior friend chump, man, she's, uh, she's been, I've been saying her name for three <laughs> years now and the last name is still a lot to chew on. Chompa. Talk. Dacha. 
You Chompa, nailed it. Chompa, you nailed it. Chompa, Chompa, Chompa Tak Dacha. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> just had to get it out one time. Was the top finisher for the Golden Eagles, shooting a 233 to finish tied for 24th. The ladies are back in action this, uh, not this weekend, beginning of next week, before we'll talk to you again Monday the 21st, Tuesday the 22nd at the Chafuncta Invitational at the Chafuncta Country Club in Mobile, Alabama, hosted by USA. Uh, and that will do it for the spring sports this week. All right. Great stuff. Great stuff. I feel pretty guilty about just doing basketball after all that. Well, baseball, I gotta, I baseball starts next feet. week. So here oh, we go. Baseball does start. Right on the corner. All right. Do you guys have any shout outs? Oh, yep. Yeah, I do. I have some shout outs. Uh, number one, I want to give a shout out to Lindy Tolar. I uh, saw him at the game, um, uh, the, at, the, at that Lady Eagles game that I went to that we lost, that I completely jinxed the team. But uh, but I, I saw him at that game up there by the concessions. I wanted to give him a shout-out. Uh, and give a shout-out to our, our guy, Matt Rockwell. He drove all the way down from Madison for the ladies' game versus UAB. Uh, we had a good time, even in a losing effort. Saw our good friend Jason Duckworth at a birthday party for five-year-olds over the weekend. Chase, yeah, uh, good Yeah, day. he came up and, and said hello, so I appreciated that, and we chopped it up for a little bit. And last but not least, I just wrote this one down, but I want to give a shout-out to our, our guy Deshaun Walker, man. My dude is at every single game. He's the most positive person I think I've ever seen in Golden Eagle land. Um, and us three are pretty positive. This guy takes it to an all-new level. He's a great guy. I uh, love that dude. Great Golden Eagle. And uh, we need more like him. Absolutely. Absolutely. Here. Absolutely. Totally co-sign on that. Shane, what about you? Um, I don't necessarily have any shout-outs this week, so I can go ahead and run through whiskey before we uh, we. All right, that's going to do it, it guys. I hope you guys enjoyed it. <laughs> and as always. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Hey, you're good. Um, I did a, uh, smooth ambler, which is a, I believe smooth amblers in West Virginia. I, I, maybe I should look at the back of this bottle. Mount yeah. Mama. Max Welton, West Virginia, but nice little distillery. They do some really good stuff there. Uh, they do a lot of single barrel picks and, and reasonable prices and, and pretty good whiskey for being young whiskey. So I picked three different. Smooth Ambler Old Scout Barrel Picks tonight started off with one that I actually got to participate in the selection of through my friends at the Carolina Whiskey Society. It's a five-year coming in at uh, 57 and 57.8%, uh, so that's like 115.6 proof. Uh, and then the second pour was a pour from my friends at the Bull City Bourbon Club in Durham, another five-year pour coming in at 114.4 proof and then the last one of the night comes from the familiar shelves of lincoln road package store in the beautiful hub city hattiesburg mississippi it's actually a six-year pick a little hotter coming in at 120.4 proof so uh if you you're at a liquor store and you see a, a smooth ambler old scout single barrel pick Again, they're reasonably priced unless some stores gouging you. Don't buy anything there. Uh, but worth picking up. It's always interesting, pretty tasty whiskey. Oh, that's awesome. I want to give a shout-out. So, you know, occasionally we get uh, we get some shouts out on Twitter, so I want to return the favor, man. Rick Zachary. Rick Zachary uh, gave us a nice little, little tweet I'll last week. I'll see him Friday night. 
Hopefully. Yeah. Man, smack old Zach on the butt for me. Cause, smack uh, Zach. I, I talk to Zach fairly regularly through the old text, and uh, I, I miss him. Good dude. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, worked with him at uh, the evil corporate giant Cisco there for a while, uh, as did Jamie. And Rick's just a good dude. Got got to know him personally and become friends. And we spent a lot of time together in the roost. And Rick's now getting into whiskey. So uh, I've been mm. corrupting his soul and, and guiding him uh, through what to spend his hard-earned Cisco dollars on. Is is yeah. that a good – Zach getting on whiskey, is that a good thing? I know it's bad well, for the right fielder. <laughs> it may not be good for his blood pressure, but better Rick than Tom, I guess. Well, fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Well, uh, so baseball coming on strong this Friday. I'm sure there will be some back and forth in the Conference USA Southern Miss legal battle. So I'm sure we'll get some of that action going on. Hope you guys enjoyed it. And as always, Southern Miss to the top. Talk. I'm going to send you guys a picture. I take a screenshot. I could play for Alabama, USC, or Notre Dame. You have lots of things to offer, but Southern Mississippi. Put you all shame. I was born here in Hattiesburg. Never ventured far away. When it comes to playing football, here in Eagle Heaven is where I'm gonna stay. I could play for North Carolina, Ohio State, RLSU. You play a good game of football but southern mississippi is a whole lot better than you when the football season is over and done here in Hattiesburg will be proud of what we've done. I could play for the Georgia Bulldogs, Florida State, or Tennessee. But I chose Southern Mississippi. And right here at home is where I'll always be. I could play for Alabama, USC, or Notre Dame. You have lots of things to offer, but Southern Mississippi put you all to shame. I could play for North Carolina, Ohio State, or LSU. You play a good game of football, but Southern Mississippi is a whole lot better than you. Season is over and done. 
all you teams with famous names will see we're number one. Ask Mississippi State. Ask Mississippi State. Call Katie Case Bailey with Dunbar Real Estate for all of your real estate needs. Katie Case Bailey, Realtor Extraordinaire. Something to show, something to list, something to sell. Call today at 601-408-9980. 